0: Actually, no, I'm not.
1: I'm in Connecticut, USA. Yeah. yeah. At the studio. At the studio. Uh, I've been on a ketogenic diet since April of 2014. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers
0: of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this shows a document of our experiences thriving for years in ketosis. And reversing diabetes. Yep. Hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any
1: medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers. We're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Uh-uh. We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We share studies that we've found in the show notes.
0: And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. Sure do. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe for your amusement. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start podcast number 126, low-carb chef Andrew Justice. Heard you say. So Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show?
1: Let's see. Last week's show was sitting down with Carrie Brown. Uh, yeah, we do have an apology. We uh, thought we were only going to be uh, publishing half of the conversation. Right. And that week, and then the other half this week. And it turned out that uh, our editor was able to get it all into one podcast. So, uh, right. So we, we published the whole thing. So, um, so it's a little bit disjointed, but uh, we're back on track now. Uh, with a new podcast, and thank you, Carrie Brown, for that uh, wonderful conversation.
0: It was a great conversation, and what mm-hmm. a remarkable story. Uh, so let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Uh, a ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you in a state of nutritional ketosis. Mm-hmm. That's where you're burning fat for fuel instead of glucose. Yep. And all the glucose that your brain needs and red blood cells and other things is made by your liver. Mm-hmm. And uh, to do that, we limit carbohydrates to 20 grams or less per day. And the types of carbohydrates are important, complex carbohydrates from green leafy vegetables and nuts and things like that. And then uh, protein is moderate. We did it with one to one and a half grams of protein per kilogram of lean body mass. That's what you weighed in high school with no fat. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the rest of our energy comes from fat. Fat. So, how was your week, Richard? Tiring. I think we both ought to share our weeks.
1: Yeah. So, so um, it was tiring. I I arrived in New London, Connecticut last Monday, mm. and my my
0: my next semester
1: starts tomorrow on Monday.
0: So this is the Sunday of Keto Fest. It's Science That's Sunday. Right. Yeah,
1: we're playing hooky.
0: <laughs> right. Everything's going smoothly, <laughs> yeah. and we came over to the studio to do the intro and outro for this show. Yeah. So you start uni tomorrow.
1: That's right. And I've got a flight. Well, I'm, 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 f- I'm catching a train, catching planes, catching automobiles. <laughs> you know, eventually, I'll get home. I'll be about two or three days late uh, for right. the next second semester.
0: Plus, we spent the week preparing for Keto Fest oh, in yeah. a very real way. So we were up late every night and up early yeah. uh, every morning.
1: I have about two hours' sleep. Currently yeah. on board, so yeah. I'm a bit tired. But uh, Keto Fest has been going really well. Oh my god! We did a live podcast at Keto Fest yeah. in front of a live studio audience. Well, yeah. it was more of a live gymnasium audience <laughs> yeah. uh, with a special guest. Yeah. And well, there were lots to choose from. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and that will be coming in the next episode. Mm-hmm. And we uh, did uh, cooking demonstrations. My lamb was a bit of a hit. Oh, oh, it a was great quite hit. yeah. It
0: was the most popular cooking <laughs> demonstration. And it was delicious,
1: yeah. And so the um, we also had the Science Sunday. We've had all the speakers on. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Nina Teicholz. yeah, we got Dude.
1: her. Yeah, she came to our event.
0: She drove up from New York. We had dinner with her last night at uh, RD86. Yeah, it's remarkable. Well, I say dinner. They had already eaten. I sat down and had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's dinner. A
1: Franklin dinner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, uh,
1: so we, yeah, it's been a great event. We uh, we're tired, you know, as you can mm-hmm. probably hear, uh, but uh, we're uh, we're looking forward to uh, a special announcement we we made during the keynote of mm-hmm. Science Sunday. Yep. And what's that announcement?
0: Uh, are we going to say that?
1: Yeah, I, I guess we, we should. Down. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think we've we've talked about it a little bit on the show, but we didn't yeah. formally announce it. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So we've decided to do another keto fest <laughs> so soon. <laughs> Normally, about this stage in in the the process of putting on a keto fest, we're both like, over my dead body, will we ever do another keto right. fest? Whose <laughs> idea was yeah. <is> this anyway? <laughs> stupid idea was this. It's so much hard work. Yeah. Uh, but the uh and and we barely break even. So yep, you know we don't get, we don't get recompense <laughs> for it. So anyway, we um uh we decided actually to do another Keto Fest, this in? time in Canberra, Australia.
0: Down Under. Down keto under. Fest Down Under. Keto
1: Fest Down Under uh, in my hometown. So mm. uh, so that's going to be fun. Carl's going to be coming out for that. Yep. This is going to be on the Sunday, the 16th of September. Yep. And uh, we it's going to be a one-day event. Uh, right. We're going to have, uh, it's going to be very Australian. It's going to be at the National Press Club in Canberra. Right. Uh, and it will be a science brekkie.
0: That's breakfast for those who don't speak Australian. Brekkie
1: is breakfast. That's right. (laughs) And crikey, we're going to have a knees up. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, For those of you who aren't Australian, you might need to find an Australian to translate for you the next bit. (laughs) So anyway, uh, we're going to do science brekkie and then we're going to have a cooking demonstration for lunch and we're going to eat the the meal that is is prepared during the demonstration we're mm. going to have the kitchen brigade come out this is a two headed restaurant so this is a, a wow. hot cuisine so um you know we're going to have uh, the kitchen brigade come out and 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 plate the meals in front of everybody it'll be like right. a show and then uh while we're and we're going to be drinking local Canberra wines and local Canberra gin and we're going to watch a movie. And then we're going to have a special guest star come, mm. and uh, we're going to have a social avo. Avo is afternoon. That's exactly right. So, right. Add so, that uh,
0: one to the dictionary. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so it's going to be a great day, and cool. we're very look- much looking forward to it.
0: That's awesome. Mm. Well, like you said, um, I've been doing what you've been doing and uh, just running around like crazy. We spent a couple of days back and forth to Restaurant Depot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few glitches, but uh, we need to take this moment to thank Louise Reynolds, Andrew Skate, and all of the volunteers that signed up because they made it happen. And despite the last minute additions, that drove Louise absolutely crazy. So (laughs) she handled it like a princess and is just awesome. So, thank so you. You and handled
1: it like the queen bitch that she is. Yeah, and Daisy <laughs> also,
0: uh, and the the list of Kim admins and involved. Brenda and volunteers yeah. and everybody,
1: who's, all of our, all of our, our closest our friends and admins, uh, as well as some 60, over 60 people volunteered.
0: 64, yeah. Yeah, so
1: we had uh, people, uh, of the people who purchased tickets, one in five, 20% of them right. chose to be volunteers. Yeah, it's Outstanding, amazing. yeah. Thank you very much, people. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let's give away some swag, my friend. Yeah, every show we pick a lucky winner at random for the members of the Two Keto Dudes Fan Club.
0: Yes, and today we're giving away a treasure trove of stuff from vendors we like, all of which you can find at fanclub.twoketo.com. So who's our winner this week? Today's winner is Robin McAvoy. Congratulations, Robin. Let's
1: tell everybody what Robin has won.
0: Yeah, the first thing we're giving away is a two keto dudes coffee mug with our mugs on it that says <laughs> Keep Calm and Keto On. And a signed copy of Lies My Doctor Told Me by Dr. Kenberry. And a bottle of Stevia Sweet Barbecue Sauce, developed by a barbecue restaurant owner who plans to change the restaurant industry forever. The sauce is full flavored and has only one gram of sugar with two carbs per serving. You can get it at sweet bbq.com.
1: And a cheese making kit from Pamela Zorn. And I just want to say I went to her demo at Keto Fest. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. I, I highly recommend uh, people try some of her cheese-making kits because mm. um, the, the taste of fresh cheese is out of this world compared yep. to the industrial rubbish that we all eat. Yeah, <laughs> it
0: really is. And you can check her out at Way W-H-E-Y, dot com. That's her company. hmm Yep. And also, a six-ounce cup of beef bone broth concentrate. From Birthright Nutrition. Just add water, heat, stir, sip, and enjoy. It makes 42 ounces from this six ounce jar. Uh, and it's jam packed with collagen and gelatin, and antioxidants, minerals, and all that good stuff. More of that at birthrightnutrition.com. And if you don't want to wait to win some swag,
1: you can buy all sorts of it online at gear.twoketo.com.
0: Yep. And that brings us squarely to a section we call. Now! All right, I'll go first. This one was actually an email we just got from the man and his company who makes the pig, who cooks the pig. that's Saccurelli. Yeah, Saccurelli, Jonathan Saccurelli. So he said to me, he sent the invoice, right? And he says, amazing, what a great event. So happy you let us be a part of it again this year. I think this was one of the best pigs that I've ever cooked, 23 hours, and the belly was a huge hit. This was my first try at smoking whole bellies, and it came out perfect. We had tons of folks coming up commenting on how wonderful the pork was. I'm trying not to get a big head here, but... (laughs) Well, you can't go wrong giving pork to Paquito people. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He says, so being able to cook it at at his pig farm and then finish it on the parade was essential. Mm. And he says, I reflected my appreciation of you letting me do that in the bill. I love this event so much because the people that attend are awesome, and you guys are so easygoing. Hopefully you'll have us back in 2019. The only problem I see is there might not be enough pork to go around next year. One half pan of pork was all that was left, and that was a 250-pound pig. The crowd just devoured it this year. Mm. I think there was more people this year as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. I got nervous at one point. There wasn't going to be enough. Happily, there was just enough. Thanks again jonathan Sacchiroli. well thanks a lot
1: sacchiaroli's uh wonderful pig uh, you know amazing. what the answer is for next year two pigs two pigs <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's
1: exactly yes. right. oh my god so
0: that's my mail what do you got
1: yeah so my mail is actually some feedback from somebody at keto fest and this is george hernandez uh, from florida mm-hmm. and I didn't actually meet George originally. I met his dad. His dad came up to me and said, you know, we're here because of my son. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Um, What's his uh, story? And he said, well, you know, he's diabetic and he he came onto the ketogenic diet and I didn't believe anything he said. And his mother Mm. didn't believe anything he said. But, you know, we'd go out to a restaurant and he'd say no bread for me. And, you know, Mm. his mother and I would eat the bread. And then eventually his mother sort of started catching on and she started saying, yeah, no bread for me either. And so I got all the bread. And then finally, I just realized I didn't want bread if the others weren't eating it. So I just said, just don't send us any bread. Yeah, no bread. problem. Yeah. And so uh, what he found, this is George's dad, found that uh, he had been suffering kidney stones, an outbreak of kidney stones every month for the past like three or four years. And the, as soon as he went keto, the next month, no kidney stones. Yeah. And he, he has not had a relapse in 18 months. Wow. Now, the fascinating thing here is Ken, Dr. Ken Berry says, uh, women who've had both kidney stones and multiple pregnancies say that they would rather have another pregnancy than a kidney stone. Wow. And as You doctor, don't want one. Well, as Dr. Berry says, women aren't uh, easily willing to give that one up. So, you know, you know <laughs> right. if it's worse than childbirth, you, you don't want to go there.
0: <laughs> ah, that'd be like... Scorpions crawling all over you yeah. for twenty four hours. So,
1: congratulations, George, and George's dad. Yeah, well, congratulations.
0: Done. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the interview section of two keto dudes, and this is one you did, right? Yeah, that's right. I did
1: this in London uh, on my way back from Switzerland mm. uh, at the Swiss Re conference, mm-hmm. uh, and I stopped in on uh, a chef in London who is a low carb chef, Andrew Justice. Wow. And he's also um, a uh, he's a past contestant. I think he came second in MasterChef uh, UK Professionals. So wow. You know, he's 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 worked with all of the great chefs, and he has three restaurants. And mm. I'll let him tell his story.
2: Awesome. Okay, I'm I'm here in London with uh, Chef Andrew Justice, <laughs> and uh, we ran into each other. He's actually a keto chef, and I'll let him tell you a little bit about his background. Chef Justice, how did you get to uh, become keto?
3: Well, I've been uh, in the industry now 22 years, uh, cooking wonderful fine dining food, um, French cuisine, uh, being being the emphasis of, of everything that I've done, um, and had an opportunity to cook for um, a wonderful gentleman in London, mm-hmm. um, all based around ketogenic so i had to put together a, a tasting menu um right. and i was first time looking at ketogenic uh, i understood that it was a low carb uh, a low carb diet um, sure. and understood that it was high quality fats all the good things, mm. the, the good butter, the heavy yeah. cream, uh, the beef tallow, mm. all the so things. That,
2: how's that feel to, as a chef when you're told we'd like you to use these things?
3: Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, French cookery, there's a lot of uh, a lot of use of butter and heavy creams mm. and uh, even even fat uh, anyway. Um, so just to remove the carbohydrate uh, from the plate or from the sauces um, was the my initial... Y- you know uh, my initial point of call was, sure. was to to um, remove the immediate carbohydrates mm. um but then looking into it you was looking at the the wines and stuff that i would normally put put in my my right. demi glass yeah, exactly. yeah um the brandies that were going into diane sauce or mm-hmm. peppercorns you know so removing those and what that did was give a, a, a an amazing meaty flavor and, right. and essence and um, and I found the the food that I was cooking ketogenic was actually a lot cleaner and mm. a lot more flavoursome, right. um, and had flavour backgrounds that I'd never in 22 mm. years I'd never really really experienced. Yeah. So for me, it's you know since January cooking keto, um, the past six months have been a real eye opener in in how I cook and how yeah. I look at foods and and the possibilities now have have opened up so it, after 22 years it's kind <laughs> of I'm not reinventing because I've got the skills to do it now sure. but um yeah in- incredible incredible uh, Use of wonderful produce. Yeah, you're off, you're off the leash. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Exactly.
2: So the French actually have one of the lowest uh, rates of cardiovascular disease, which is you know makes it, sense. You know, it makes sense. It's, it's all healthy fats. Yeah. End. So um, so yeah. That, so I I heard a rumor that you were on MasterChef.
3: I was On the English Master Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Back in uh, 2010, Master Chef the Professionals. Right. But yeah. The audience in Australia all. Went squee at the same time
2: <laughs> that I'm speaking to a Master Chef contestant because back in Australia, it's a Master Chef is massive. It's, a, it's yeah. like the, one of the biggest shows on TV, and it's all all amateur cooks here. It's all professionals, yeah. and so uh, we did. I think we did one episode or one season that they had professionals and I actually ate at one of the restaurants that one of the professionals cooked at and it it was excellent food, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, most of ours are amateurs so our Aussie audience are going to be – listening uh, <laughs> quite carefully
3: to everything that you say. So. Yeah, I've been watching uh, MasterChef uh, Australia, and I don't envy those no, contestants. It,
2: wow. No, there's some, the, the crock and bush was the first episode, and uh, like the first season, and then there was like a snow egg. There was it just yeah, insane stuff. insane.
3: And, yeah. the, and the produce you get out there, you know, mm. um me, we were briefly talking about it earlier. The produce there is, is so diverse and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of products out there that, that I've never seen, never heard of. I would nice. love, to, love yeah. to have a play about with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but MasterChef in the UK, I mean, it's been on, on the, uh, on the TV for many, many years. Mm. And, uh, I was on the third season of the professionals, uh, in 2010, right. um, and got through to, uh, the semifinals or second stage quarterfinal, um, amazing experience, absolutely yeah. amazing. And, you know, ha- having my peers, Michelle Rue Jr., mm-hmm. um, wow. you know, uh. and Monica <laughs> Galetti, uh, yeah. you know, having those, those sort of people critique my, my dishes, mm. um, and give me amazing feedback, you know, um. That that for me was was the, the icing on the cake. Yeah, <laughs> the, oh, yeah the wrong wrong, yeah. wrong phrase. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, the fat on the mutton. The fat on the
2: <laughs> <laughs> So so for a professional, is it is it just exposure, master chef kind of experience, or is it is it an opportunity to fine tune what you're doing with uh, with the you know the the, the feedback from your peers?
3: Um, a little bit of everything. Yeah, exposure. I mean, it, it, it does leapfrog. If you if you do well in the competition, it leap leapfrogs. Um, um, your your career um, like I, I got the opportunity to to come down into london to work at uh, le gavroche with Michelle rue um, mm. and you know those opportunities don't get handed to you yeah. um, unless you've been working in michelin restaurants from the age of 15 16 right um, which i haven't mm. you know i've worked in good establishments but never never really rubbed um Not rubbed that shoulders yeah. yeah so I, I kind of saw it as an opportunity to to see how how I sort of fared, mm. you know, in the uh, in the big wide world of, of right. chefs. And yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was pleased, you know, I, I could hold my hold my own. Excellent, you know? yeah. <laughs> I get it.
2: <laughs> so so you i assume i mean you were an executive chef for, for, for several restaurants you've 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 worked as a per, personal chef as well for, that's right for the, uh, for the golfer gary player i believe
3: yeah gary player and uh sir Nick Faldo okay um, yes yeah and um, we've done some weird and wonderful stuff i've cooked for the queen uh for the Mm -hmm. queen's jubilee for 2200 people looked after gary player um on a personal level in in rented accommodation in Mm -hmm. augusta and nice south africa and in in the uh in the uk um yeah but I, i must admit i mean we were we were briefly talking about about food and i think the 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 best people i've ever cooked for are, are actually my children really <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know to see them their their faces light up and you know see the the different you know reactions to different textures and different foods and stuff like that. You know, people you, you cook in a restaurant and people come up to you and say, "Oh, wonderful steak, a yeah. uh, wonderful steak." But when your daughter comes up and says, "Daddy, that was the most amazing salmon I've ever eaten," you know that, that yeah. that's my Michelin star. Yeah, absolutely,
2: <laughs> absolutely. Well, the other thing that's really fun about children is they they're curious about how how it's made. And so, for your kids, one your kids are seeing what daddy does. You know, this is what daddy does for a living. He turns ingredients into delicious. You know, but the other thing is that that they then can pick up some of these skills and learn how to break an egg, learn how to make an omelette. All these skills, which people like me, I. It wasn't until my late 40s I first started really cooking. Um, and, I, I, you know, I had a rough idea about how to break an egg, but I, didn't, <laughs> I, I was uh, unreliable at it for the first maybe six months until I was regularly able to do it properly. Um, so these are fundamental skills which are really useful to, to pick up. And, and one of the games I, I, I like playing with, uh, with my nieces and nephews is when we're at a restaurant and a plate of meal comes to us, is to ask them, okay, how do you think they made that? and to and, and to listen to what their their understanding of how the food is put, sort of put together it's quite fascinating. I'm going to
3: play that myself. Yeah, yeah I just
2: think it's <laughs> an awesome thing and then, you know, and then maybe take the kids into the kitchen, make a plate of it and, you know, yeah, and show them exactly. how to do
3: it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very lucky as a child and that's probably where I've got my love of food from. Um both my grandmas were were fantastic cooks and Um, you know, I, I, I'm speaking to, to a lot of my friends about keto Mm. and I look at my, my grandma's, how they used to cook and it was more or less keto wow you know it was it was lots of butter it was Mm. my grandma either drank um, black coffee or coffee with double cream you know that was that was it Um, (laughs) she's keto (laughs) Oh yeah totally you know she used to we used to have ribber beef on a on a sunday you Mm. know there was very little potatoes it was all about cabbages it was all about you know whatever was growing in her garden at the time and you know I look back at that and she had a you know, fit, fit life and mm. good, uh, a, a good, a good innings as we say. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and my, my mom, she, she cooked everything from scratch. Absolutely everything, whether she'd make Chinese food, whether she'd be making Spanish food, everything mm. was, was, uh, was cooked from scratch. So we used to spend a lot of time at the markets and, right. you know, as a young child, seeing all these different vegetables and and colors, mm. that that excited me, yeah, you know? I bet. Um, and I was cooking at a very young age. Mm. But I think nowadays, you know the the children, they don't get exposed to this. They get exposed to the bigger, more glamorous or unglamorous as we 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 see it, but you know it's it, if we can show them the fresh the fresh produce and show them that it grows like this yeah we, we chop it we cook it we eat it you know the whole process from start to finish i think that's where you know we can really change things and we have to start young. We have right. to start young.
2: Yeah, it has to be an education. I, I think one interesting thing is uh, is uh, going back to primary producers and talking to them about their produce. And, you know, that all they're doing is trying to make their produce the most palatable to their market. Uh, but sometimes, like, for example, um, cattle for cattle ranches. My, my, my uncle was a, was a beef producer. And he would he would spend a lot of effort trying to make his beef marbled but not fat, and so that and and that really is the, that's the ideal, you know. But the um, of course with um, with beef, it's sort of one and two year old steers. They don't really get old cows, and old cows have got a better qual better flavour, a better quality of fat. Yeah, you know, this is an old cow that's been well looked after on grass all its life. Is a wonderful animal, and the 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 meat and the fat on that animal are spectacular. And yet we just we, we send them to the glue factory, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it's upsetting. I mean, we we mature beef, but we we slaughter them young and then mature them in a in a fridge. Right. So let's mature them on the pasture. Yeah. You know, because that's where they're they're gaining all the the essential fatty acids and the flavour backgrounds. You know, and this again, you know, going back to to my my journey on ketogenic cooking, that's what I've found. You know, when I was sourcing the products,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, to get a to get a, a lamb, yes, a lamb's lovely, but it's it's got that sweetness. It's you know, it's not necessarily full packed of flavour. You know, you go to a hogget, you go to a mutton that's had a longer a longer life on the on the pasture. The flavour is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more deeper. It's it's more complex. Mm-hmm. The same, the same with beef. You know, the uh, uh, a beef that's been on on the the pasture for a year, for eighteen months, for two years yeah it's good quality you know Mm. that little bit extra that extra six months that extra 12 months sure flavors incredible Mm. and it's the same with the dry aging you know if you dry age for 28 days Mm. yeah it's good Mm. you push it to 35 you know it's getting better so what's ideal
2: for for dry
3: age um i I personally it depends on on the actual meat um you know and it has to be checked and and stuff I, i like somewhere around 30 32 days okay um i find a little bit over over 32 days is a little bit musty for me um it almost goes gamey Hmm. um and I love game, but, yeah, yeah. you know. Ven- venison's <laughs> yeah. venison, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, beef, beef should be beef. Um, you know, I, I love the musty flavors, but mm. I love the the fat one. When, when you trim that fat fat off a dry mm. dry aged piece of beef, right? And then render that fat down, oh, yes. and then you cook your kale in it yeah, or something like absolutely. that. That's that's where we're talking. So yeah. the yeah, utilizing the fat properly, yeah. um, you know, and that's where the, the flavors uh, really come alive.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I like to age beef sometimes. I don't have a beef-aging machine. I I know there are dehumidifiers that can Mm -hmm. do that. What I'll do is I'll put a tray with a wire rack on it uh, and then put the steak on that in the fridge, yes. and the fridge environment then is will dehydrate the steak. And I just turn it every day, and my, I'll age it for about seven or eight days, and then that steak, the quality of the steak is is remarkably different. Yeah. And so I I suggest to people do do a b comparison test, go and age at one steak, and then buy the exact same steak fresh, and cook the both of them and. Give your whole family a test, you know, which one do you prefer? And I guarantee you, the the age one is going to be significantly different. That's
3: (laughs) it, exactly. I mean, at worst, I would uh, get my my meat from the butcher. Mm -hmm. I would then take it out. I'd let it room up. I'd dry it. I'd pat it dry with with a J cloth or a disposable cloth to remove as much of that moisture uh, from the meat. So if you don't have six or seven days, you want to eat that steak and you want to eat it now, you know, Really, really dry it. Season the season the beef as well, which will also draw some a little bit of that moisture out. And it, when you draw in moisture out, it, it's actually um, maximising on the flavour because you you're removing some of the water content. So then the flavours that are left in the beef mm. have been maximised. But yeah, I mean, dry ageing in the fridge, mm-hmm. it's, it's nice, mm-hmm. quick. It's a simple home remedy that you can do, yep. you know, to improve the beef quality. But you, you, know, we need to be looking at the source, like we we originally said, you know, and finding a, a good a good butcher, a good farmer that produces mm. good meat and and looks after the welfare of the animal. That's where it's key. Yeah, what we do with it as as chefs is only half of the battle. If the the food has been produced badly, um, we there's no point in us even cooking it. Right. You know? So yeah. that's that's something that I'm really looking at now is is the sourcing of all the products that mm. that we. Want to be using uh, in in ketogenic um, to maximise on on all the minerals and the vitamins and yeah and everything and also the the welfare of the animal you know absolutely I mean
2: yeah without a doubt that we had uh, we were just in Zurich the other day and we had I went to a steakhouse uh, with a bunch of uh, famous keto people Gary Taubes Zoe Harkom uh, Eric Westman and we had on the recipe there um, old cow. Now this was actually thirteen-year-old milk cows that have you know lived on grass all their life and have fed their veal, have yep. fed the veal all their life, and and also made milk for cheese, Swiss cheese. Uh, at the end of their life, they they they're, they're uh, slaughtered, and the quality of the meat. I don't think I've ever tasted um, such interesting beefiness. It was a, it was probably yeah that's. It was the beefiness was just amped up a notch. Yeah. Now, they weren't tender because these are old cows and, and the meat had sort of like a fight back against the tooth. It was didn't give yeah. like the Kobe. We had a Kobe steak and that just gave to the tooth. <laughs> that was just fell apart. But, but this meat was delicious and I really f- want to start trying to get access to older beef because older beef that's been grass pastured for, you know, 10 uh, or so years – Is as I can uh, now say, having tried this food, is delicious.
3: Yeah, I'd love to. uh, I'd love to try the try that beef myself. I mean, I've heard that uh, there are some farms now that are using the dairy cows and putting them, um, selling them for meat. But it's it's not a a mass market, unfortunately, and it's not coming to. You have to source these products. You have yeah. to really seek them out and drive for many, many miles. <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: Um,
3: which is, you know, kind of the shame what I what I found, you know, sourcing the products. Um, we, we don't want to go to a supermarket, but I, I would like to go to my local butcher and get, get yes. some good quality meat, which I can. Mm. But if I want that that next level, yeah, you know, you have to drive. You have to go to the farm. You have to speak to the farmers. You have yeah. to... You can't take the, take the trust from from what the butcher is saying. Right, the butcher is a man who gets a carcass. He chops that carcass up and puts it in the window for you to sell.
2: And his value add is often trimming all the fat off. So. Yeah,
3: precisely. And he's his value is, is selling the leaner cuts. You know, yeah. we don't want the leaner cuts, you know, we want the short rib, the Jacobs ladder, we want the mm. you know the the beef cheeks, yeah. those sort of things. Yeah. Oh yeah, beef cheeks. Yeah. Mutton flaps too. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so there was an article once actually that uh that was blaming mutton flaps for the, the obesity of the of the Polynesian islanders because the New Zealanders New Zealanders are big um, a uh, primary producer of, of lamb uh, and and with lamb comes a, a secondary market of mutton that they just can't sell in New Zealand. Apparently, I don't know why because it's delicious. It but, is. Yeah. And so they send these lamb flaps that they don't want to eat to and lamb f- flap is uh, lamb flap is just the the belly of the, the belly. Lamb. Yeah. But it's but this is for mutton, of course. And and but but the nice thing about this this cut is it's like the lasagna of meat. It's like a layer of fat, a layer of flesh, a layer of fat. Yeah. You know, a layer from layer from a layer, and you cook this thing slow. And then you really hit it, and it's just it crisps up like uh, crackling. It's absolutely delicious. So they blame this article, blame the these uh, the, uh, these uh, mutton flaps for the obesity crisis in uh, in uh, the Polynesian islands. It wasn't the co- the, the full strength Coca Cola that they
3: were no, <laughs> shipping no. into this place <laughs> that did it, was it? No, of course not. <laughs> always always blame the decent product. That's yeah. the problem.
2: <laughs> We have a couple of chefs who listen to the podcast, I know that for a fact. We have a lot of doctors as well who listen to the podcast and also know that for a fact. Uh, I'm interested, what advice would you give to a chef being asked to prepare a ketogenic diet?
3: Um, Well, from my experience, um, look initially at everything that you believe is a carbohydrate and remove it. Look at everything that you think is a sugar and remove it, yep. and just go back to to y- y- the original source of your recipes. Um, look at everything that you're including in your sauce. Um, as I touched upon earlier, adding red wines and deglazing pans with wines and whiskies and uh, brandies and those sort of things. You know, once once you've actually removed these alcohols and these sugars and carbohydrates. What you what you're tending to get is a cleaner flavor right so yes you remove the the starchy vegetables and you know rices and pastas so those are those are never going to be included on the plate but look at the vegetables look at leafy darker greens um, things that grow above the ground look at the the meat you know we like we've spoken about we want older we want the older animals mm. not only have they got more uh, more flavor mm. um, they've also got more fat the the mutton um and hogget tend to have uh, more fat than the than the lamb anyway it's a better quality fat they've been grazing longer Hmm. so yes be a little bit anal about where you source your products from um but just cook them with loving love and care you know a lot of these products because we're using um tougher cuts or uh, less um less tender cuts they need a longer slow slow cooking processes yeah so the likes of uh, pressure cookers uh, slow cookers sous vide mm. um these are all wonderful tools to be able to extract the um the fats from these meats but also to to be able to cook down um the the collagens etc cetera, etc cetera, to to give us a a better product yeah um yeah and enjoy it mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's the, the main thing is in is enjoy it you know a lot of a lot of diets or or ways of life um that revolve around food they they tend to be for me over and quite restrictive right. whereas with ketogenic i, I found that the, the book is kind of opened um, with the possibilities. There's there's more possibilities in, in ketogenic cooking, and it's all the good things. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. egg yolks rather yeah. than whites. You <laughs> who <know>? doesn't want <laughs> organic food, and who doesn't want the the best of, you know, butter, and who doesn't want the double cream? Who doesn't mm. want you know, crispy fat and, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I could eat it every day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, I was looking in the, the fridge here and the quality of the creams, it's like double and triple creams that are just, they, the, you know, they're almost clotted cream. It's just delicious.
3: Yeah, yeah it's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, I think you've had a, a few coffees with cream this morning. <laughs> and absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's almost butter. You know, yeah. that's, that's the quality, you know, organic, beautiful, thick cream yeah
2: so ha- going back to deglazing this is a process you cook your meat in a pan you end up with a fond on the bottom of the pan after you take the meat out to rest and now you want to take that fond and you want to turn it into a sauce so if you're not going to deglaze with red wine which will mask the meat flavour yeah. what do you deglaze with
3: um, well, depending on the, on the meat that I'm using, if I have, uh, for instance, if I've just, um, seared off some beef in a pan and I want to deglaze that, if I've got a little bit of beef stock or, mm-hmm. you know, bone broth, something like that, I'll use a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but just a little bit of water, you know, you've, oh, yeah. you've got, you've got flavors in that pan, which are beef, a little yeah. bit of water will deglaze it. So it'll remove those, those, uh. Those flavors from the bottom of the pan, and you're almost making an instant pan sauce. There, mm. you know. Yeah. Let, let's not mess about. <laughs> <with this. laughs> you know, we, we don't we don't necessarily need uh, need to add extra flavors when you've got wonderful produce from the start. Right. You know, yeah. and that's 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 the kind of for me. That's the kind of key key to this type of cooking. Is uh, you know, keep it simple. Don't over over-complicate it. Don't add too many many other things in there. You know, right. let let the beef. Tastes like beef. Like mm. the lamb, tastes like lamb. Yeah. You know, this is this Absolutely. is kind of how a, how a, my approach to it. Yeah, um, yeah, but just simple simple deglazing. I mean, even um, you know, if your pan's quite heavily caked up, a little splash of water, and if you put you put in some. Um, some kale or some some leeks or something through the mm. through the pan. That will also bring those nice mm. marmite bits off the bottom. Yeah. You're gonna get that flavor then coming onto your kale and stuff. Yeah.
2: I, I, I love the idea of cooking vegetables with fat. This is one thing that Sarah Halberg uh, Dr. Sarah Halberg um, was very big on when she did her first TED presentation and she said if you know go try this ketogenic diet, you reverse your diabetes, but here, every time you eat vegetables, add fat. Now I like the idea of cooking my vegetables in that... In the sort of the lifted uh, fond yeah. of the beef, yeah. to uh, and then maybe just putting a little bit of uh, a little bit of fat in over the a little bit of cultured butter or yeah. a little bit of uh, rendered down beef tallow yeah. uh, in there, and just uh, cook my vegetables in that. And um, you're going to get like a beefy flavour through your vegetables. Which I mean, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah <laughs> beef flavoured kale. I mean yeah, exactly. It's better than kale flavoured yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. kale and crispy kale you know yeah. you know kale um, sort of fried in in some some beef tallow rendered down beef tallow or something oh, like nice. that really nice and crispy so you could have some some kale that's just been sweated down in some butter or some beef tallow but then you know raise that temperature and and you know flash fry it so it mm. goes crispy mm. what that's doing is adding another texture to your dish as well so you you've got two textures of kale yeah. two different flavor backgrounds from it. the same from the same product mm. yeah i love i love that mm.
2: Uh, textures are something important. A lot of people on a ketogenic diet sort of miss crispy textures because you get crispy textures generally with with, with starches. Yeah, you know, making uh, crackers and breads and things like that, and and crusting and and. And uh, coating of meat with uh, with and then you know frying with a coating. Um, so I one of the textures that I really like is using skin. Yeah. So for example, with salmon, I'll take the skin off the salmon and I'll bake it in the oven.
3: Yeah.
2: And then it turns into like a bacon of salmon.
3: That's right. And then yeah.
2: uh, and so I like to use that to give that crispiness. Or um, another is pork rinds as well. Yeah. And you can you can grind up pork rinds and use that to, as a coating for. for for food you make fish fingers using pork rinds (laughs) for the the outside um so uh yeah i i really like skin a lot um because it's uh it's it it's delicious it's a a very healthy protein so uh, it's
3: it's
2: probably probably not a complete protein so you don't want to live on it only but um we're eating plenty of beef as well so that's exactly
3: yeah i've with the dinners that i've done we've uh, we've made several different types of skins um from duck skin turkey mm. chicken lamb pork um, um the different processes I've, I've applied to those skins to give a different product like we were talking about the salmon uh, yes. or, or fish skin mm. um how you've done it is is perfect and i've done that myself excellent I've also looked at the salmon and tried to recreate what is called a chicharones yes um, but utilizing salmon skin so I boiled it in in some water mm-hmm. um, with a little bit of salt and boiled it for approximately 45 minutes um, then removed it put it onto a, a baking tray mm-hmm. and dehydrated it so right. in a low oven, yeah, or an oven that that's with cracked a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just just crack just to let out the moisture and leave it in there overnight. What you'll do is you'll come back the next day and it'll almost be translucent like mm. glass. Mm. If you snap those pieces up and you have some um, some beef tallow coming up to about one hundred and seventy degrees Celsius, and you drop those little bits of the shards, the shards yeah. into the oil, what they'll do is they'll puff up. Huh. So almost um, the consistency of a prawn cracker, nice. something like that. So the huh. they, they puff up um, and give a different texture. So you your salmon bacon, yes, is nice and really it's crackly like and puffy. And, puffy. Yeah. yeah, this is this is a puffy version. Huh. Still got the good texture, right. yeah, texture to it. But again, a different texture. Um, yeah,
2: you know, I quite like. Um, uh, I can go to my butcher and get uh, skin that we'd otherwise discard, and a poultry vendor will often be just throwing away the, the chicken skin because he's going to be selling you know lean chicken breast that's his primary cut and then yeah. all his secondary stuff is the you know the the the, the um, uh, thighs which is my favorite part of the of the mm. chuck and then, uh, and then the skin and bones are just thrown away. And so you can go to a poultry guy and just say, um, "I'll help you get rid of some of your chicken skin." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then, I'll take them off. And your then hands. you can do your trick, you know, dehydrate it. So, so you're going to. So what you're going to do is you're going to boil it for about forty five minutes in a salty water. Yes. And then you're going to put it on a tray, and maybe would you put it on a rack or you just?
3: Yeah, you can put it. You can put it on a rack. I mean, if similar to how you dry age your beef yeah. in the fridge, so yeah. you put it onto a cooling rack. Um, that gives good air circulation around round all of it um yeah so you can do it uh, we've uh, traditionally it's done with uh, pork rind um to make chicharrones mm. but using the same process you mm. know for salmon and chicken and yeah. duck i yeah. found that it does work the with chicken i tend to boil it for approximately two hours with okay. this with this uh fish skins it's around 45 minutes um that's just due to the fish being a lot more delicate uh, so needing right. a lot less cooking cooking time mm. something like pork rind i would cook for uh, in the boiling water for nearly three hours mm. at a low low slow simmer and it comes out and it's almost jelly yeah you know it's yeah. it, it's it's very fragile to the touch it will break up so you have to be very delicate with it to get it onto your cooling rack right um and, but as i said when it comes out it almost Goes like uh, like stained glass, uh, you know. You can yeah. almost see through it; it's yeah. translucent, and it should snap. Yes, you know before you before you fry it.
2: So a pork a pork skin which is say a uh, quarter of an inch, you know, um, uh, eight millimeters or so thick, um, uh, will that still snap when, it, when you dry it out? And it's cl- it's glassy. It will, yeah, wow.
3: So it, it dehydrates. Mm-hmm. So when you're cooking it in the water, you you're almost boiling some of the fats out. So that's that's um, kind of dehydrating it when you put it onto the tray, it's dehydrating again. So it's getting a little bit thinner, mm-hmm. but it's, it's removing all the moisture. So then it becomes very brittle. So it, it will snap. So you just break it in a small five millimeter square of this stuff. Yeah. You know, proper true chicharones will triple or quadruple, or, or, or if not more in size. It really puffs up.
2: I, I think we've got half of our listeners are already making plans. <laughs> yeah. I think. So, um, so then you then you cook it in tallow and in, in
3: boil it. Or you fry it in boiling tallow. That's right. And it just puffs up and it just, just puffs yeah. up. Yeah, and then you know make a make a nice flavoursome um, salt. So use some Himalayan salt, some fresh herbs, blend them up in a blender. Yeah. As soon as it comes out of that fryer, season it up um, while it's still warm. It'll go cold. It'll be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And it's a nice little little snack for you if you yeah, wanted it. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I know a butcher who who sells his pork belly without the skin on and i think i'm i think i'm gonna uh, suggest to him a way he can get rid of that skin that he thinks is not
3: useful yeah (laughs) definitely definitely well a wonderful way with pork rind is actually uh salting the skin and then rolling it up really tight Mm. and and tying tying it so you've got a long long uh, tube long tube like Mm. a spiral tube Mm. and then actually freezing that down um, and then if you've got a meat slicer, yes, yes. you slice that while it's frozen and you end up with a, a spiral.
2: A roul- oh, it's a roulette. Like a roulade. So, yeah, yeah
3: Yeah. And you deep fry that. <laughs> and then it, it comes out <laughs> weird and wonderful. Looks a bit like a like a spider crab with its yeah. legs coming oh, out. I've and all gotta sorts. do that. <laughs> but that's really really cool way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I like pork ears. Pork ears for the meat slicer. You know, yeah, just a very thin slices, and then just exactly the same thing. You de- dehydrate them, and then you uh, you you put them in boiling oil and. And they're like the the, the, the tastiest little uh, morsels that you can add to like a salad or something. Oh, like delicious. This. Yeah. You can use this. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, forget
3: stale bread. Yeah. Definitely. some pigs in. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in uh, this keto adventure of yours. Thank you very and, much. And uh, uh, let us know how you go. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> uh, we'll keep in touch. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Could you say you do for little Wow, what a great story. Yeah. So I love the
1: recipe that he, he gave us for making that uh, po- He right. He turns pork skin by, what he does is he boils pork skin to get rid of all the fat. Now that sounds like it would be a bad thing, but for the mechanism that he's using it for, mm. it's really fascinating. So he boils it for like two or three hours to get all the fat off the skin, and then he dehydrates it by putting it in an oven, opens, cracks the door just a little bit, and it's on a very low temperature, mm. and he runs that overnight. And the skin becomes translucent like glass wow. and it's brittle and it shatters into shards. And yep. then you take those shards and you drop them in, in hot oil and they puff up and wow. you can use it to make crispy uh, textures in your food.
0: I'm really looking forward to trying that. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Totally. Too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good one.
1: Well, are you feeling peckish? I'm actually not. I have the curse of keto. I've <laughs> Me been too. At, I've been at Keto Fest. I just don't feel like eating anything.
0: Me too. I, I didn't. I barely ate anything. I had a couple of bites of pig yesterday. Yeah. Some coleslaw, some chowder. It's so much food. Sausage. <laughs> but gonna, just a little we're gonna bit. we to rethink how we do this. <laughs> actually, uh, this morning, I was at my lowest weight I've ever remembered. Wow. Well
1: yeah. done. Yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's been good.
1: Yeah, congratulations.
0: And, uh, you know, it's not for what I ate. I mean, I did eat, mm-hmm. but I've just been, you know, right out straight yeah. and only eating in a small window. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, share some recipes. recipes. What do you got, Cal? All right, well, I chickened out this... Uh, Literally, this um, <laughs> week, and just uh, I'm going to spit out a recipe that I've used, that I've done, mm. but uh, it's someone else's recipe. And uh, somebody left this on the forum and linked to it. It's on two twosleevers.com, and it's instant pot butter chicken.
1: Mm. Yeah. I love butter chicken.
0: And it's pretty much, you take all these ingredients, you throw them in an instant pot and push the button, <laughs> and then you got <laughs> butter chicken. Butter chicken, of course, a very common indian american dish anyway and indian australian too yeah yeah anyway uh what you get is a 14 ounce can of diced tomatoes Mm -hmm. An alarm should be going off in your head Mm -hmm. anytime the recipe calls for canned tomatoes you want to chop fresh tomatoes yeah i mean sometimes it's critical but in this case it's not uh five or six cloves of garlic uh, one to two teaspoons of minced ginger a teaspoon of turmeric uh, half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper, mm. uh, a teaspoon of paprika, a teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of garam masala. Garam masala is an essential Indian spice made up from lots of different spices. Right. It's like a curry mix. Yep. Mm-hmm. A teaspoon of ground cumin, uh, one pound of boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Nice. Yep. And that all goes in the pot. And then to finish it, four ounces of butter cut into cubes, four ounces of heavy cream, a teaspoon of garam masala again, and uh, to garnish, quarter cup to half a cup of chopped cilantro. So
1: those last four ingredients you use after the cooking in the cooking pot. So you add the
0: butter and the the
1: cream and the parsley. And yeah,
0: cool. And really, it doesn't take long. You put all the ingredients in the Instapot in the order listed, except, of course, for what you just said, the finishing stuff. Mm -hmm. And if it's frozen, you push the chicken into the sauce a bit so it defrosts better. So you close the cooker, you set it for 10 minutes on high, that's it. And and the key here to this recipe is that you allow the pressure to naturally release. You don't push the, you know, you don't open the valve and let all the steam out. Right. And that's gonna take another 10 minutes. So after that, that's when you release the remaining pressure. So you open up the pot, remove the chicken carefully and set that aside. And all of the other ingredients you blend together stick blender immersion blender works really well and now you add the the finishing stuff the cut up butter the cream the cilantro and ground masala stir it until it's well incorporated and i said stir not not blend right, right? you want to stir it mm-hmm. so then it's best to let the sauce cool just a little bit before adding the butter and the cream otherwise it could uh, do nasty things sure yeah
1: mm-hmm. wouldn't be good mm.
0: If you do happen to add it when it's hot and it thins out, just put it in the fridge for a little and let it thicken up. It should be thick enough to coat the back of a spoon. Right. So you just add the chicken back and heat it through and serve it over miracle rice.
1: Nice. Yeah. Sounds, sounds awesome. I have to try that.
0: Or just by itself. Yeah. Yep.
1: That's what I got. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to do a recipe that I did this week. It wasn't officially part of Keto Fest, but it was a meal that I cooked for the volunteers. Yeah. And I bought a truffle. Uh, This is a a French perigord black truffle from Canberra. And this is the only place that's actually growing them right now because Canberra's had its first frosts and the rest of the Southern Hemisphere truffle fields haven't. So Canberra is the first place that's got them. And of course, all the, the Northern Hemisphere truffle fields are all played out, so uh, uh, because it's in the middle of their summer. So anyway, the only place you can get these, unfortunately, right now is Canberra, but I'm sure that um, uh, you can find truffles eventually, where you, wherever you are. Anyway, a truffle is uh, the fruiting body of a mycelium fungus, and uh, it has a unique flavor, a unique aroma, yeah. and you'll recognize it. If you've never had truffles before, and you smell it, You'll you'll say, oh, that is familiar. Where do I... F- find that from and it's because people have people a truffle is a very expensive ingredient it's like fifty dollars for a a, a truffle the size of a gumball Mm. but it's a delicious umami sort of flavor oh yeah and so anyway the way the way that i do this um this ice cream is that i start off with six eggs I start two days beforehand, and I put the truffle in a container with the six eggs, and I put them in the fridge, and I leave it there for
0: two days. You actually did truffled eggs as a recipe once. Right. Yeah, that's what you do. And
1: that's all you do. So the, the, the odor or the essence of the truffle escapes the truffle fruiting body, and it goes into the egg shell through the eggshell, through the egg white and into the egg yolk because it's actually uh, an essence that's being held by the fats. So anyway, you you take uh, these eggs that have been in a closed container with the truffle for two days and you separate the yolks and the whites. You throw the whites away, throw Mm -hmm. the shells away, Mm -hmm. and you take the yolks and you put them in a double boiler. So it's basically put them in a glass bowl and you put that glass bowl over the top of a pot that is steaming Mm -hmm. and you just start whisking it. And in a second pot that's on a very low heat, you put uh, a quart of cream or, or a litre of cream, if you're yeah. uh, Australian, and uh, you add some splendor to taste and you shave in some truffle uh uh, shavings, and you yep. can use a microplane to do that. And the shuffle shavings, basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to create the flavor of the ice cream in the cream, yeah. and then you add it to the egg yolks that you, that are starting to set so, up.
0: So what's amazing about this is that it's two different, you know, consistencies of truffle flavor, mm. and I can actually taste it with my mind. When I'm thinking, because I know what truffle tastes like, I know what sweet cream tastes like, yeah. and I'm sort—it's my brain is sort of synthesizing those as memories, mm. and that, I find that just fascinating that you can actually imagine a taste.
1: Uh, yeah, a truffle is a very evocative smell.
0: Mm. The human
1: brain really um, uh, relates very well to the truffle, and nobody mm. knows why, mm-hmm. but it, but it is. So anyway, the uh, so this is the the truffle ice cream. Uh, you're eventually going to be ladling the hot, the warm cream into the egg yolk mix and, uh, and you're making a custard. And then yeah. as soon as it coats the the back of a spoon, mm-hmm. you, you, uh, throw it in the, the, the fridge to chill for a day if you can. Unfortunately, I could, I had to put it in the deep freeze.
0: We do a lot of spoon coating here. Yeah, we do.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to put mine in the deep freeze because of time constraints. And that meant that I, uh, it, it wasn't a soft serve as I would like it. Yeah, but yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Tri- once, once it's chilled for a day in the fridge then you put it in your ice cream maker and follow the manufacturer's instructions and you have a lovely truffle, truffle ice, cream. ice cream That's my recipe.
0: That's awesome. Well that's a show and uh, again we'd like to thank everybody who's involved in keto fest this year got a lot of people saying they want keto fest in their town yeah and actually some who are trying to make that happen by by putting it on themselves. So that's always great to hear and so many amazing stories. Yeah, the the interesting thing
1: is when you tell people that KetoFest is going to come to uh, somewhere like Canberra, you get a lot of people saying, oh, geez, it'd be really nice if it came to Rockhampton or Brisbane. Right, or yeah, first. Yeah. Well, people, you know, uh, for those Australians who've always wanted to be able to go to KetoFest and couldn't go to KetoFest, mm. KetoFest is coming to Canberra first. And yeah. if that is a
0: success, it may go to other places in Australia. That's right. And if you want to make it happen in your town, just get in touch with us. Well, that too. Because it's definitely <laughs> possible.
1: Yeah, that's it. Mm. Of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at 2 or post it on the website.
0: And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Instagram at 2ketodudes. Make sure to use the hashtag 2ketodudes.
1: And, of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting the
0: success2 Absolutely. And if useless swag is your fancy T-shirts, coffee mugs, and all that other junk with witty keto sayings on it, head over to gear2 And
1: if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the Two Keto Dudes Fan Club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub2
0: And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon2 You can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.twoketo.com. And if you haven't already, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new people get to know about what we do. 2 Keto Dudes is brought to you by 2 Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And we also like to say, Richard, keep calm, keto on, and fast when you can. Yeah, Carl, keep calm, keto on. And Keto
1: Fest over my dead body! No more Keto Fest! Keto Fest in September Ah, in Canberra, Australia. What are we doing? (laughs) Great! We'll see you next week on Two Keto Dudes.